What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. This is Turner, and I'm in the studio with Rosie. What's up, bro? Hey, what's up? How you doing? Doing well. <laughs> doing well. <laughs> we had Tired, a week. We had a week off. Well, two weeks off actually. Hmm. Right. Sure. Something like that. Yeah, yeah we had a couple uh, weeks off. I don't know. Yeah, but we're back. Yeah, we got a good episode. Dude, this is insane. This is a good one. This is one uh, overdue. 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 One of my favorites so far we've ever done. Yeah. A long wanted guest is mm-hmm. going to be on. But uh, anyways, what do you know, man? Hey, so did you know that there is a country where a president was taught? There is a man who was president 11 times <laughs> who also lost a war in 18 minutes. <laughs> the president got his wooden leg stolen by us, the Americans. He got exiled and lost in the jungle and had to get reintroduced into society beto- because he turned feral. <laughs> it, I mean, it sounds like something Joe Biden would do, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or one of his one of his rants. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, can you guess what country? Hey, Corn Pop. Oh. Guess what country that had that as their leader? Oh man, I'm I'm gonna. Th- it sounds like it's gonna be an African country of some kind. No, no, Mexico. <laughs> no way. Yeah, Mexico. Yeah. Mexico had uh, <laughs> his name was Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. De Santa Ana. Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't his full name. Let me give you his full name. Okay, Antonio de Padua, Padua Maria Sorvino Lopez de Santa Ana y Perez de Lebron. No way. That's his real name. <laughs> Yeah, he was president 11 times. That's a big name. He did not want to even be president sometimes. He just wanted the the title, but he lost. He had his wooden leg. He had his leg blown off uh, in a war with the French. Had a wooden leg, and then the Americans came, and he rode off without the leg. Um, And we stole his leg. We stole his leg, and it's in... um, We still have it? Yeah. uh, Oh, sweet. Sorry, sorry. It's in uh, Illinois. What? (laughs) Like some war museum in Illinois? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His so his family's going to be like, can we get can we get his leg back? It's like 100 years. Right. Yeah. And uh, the war, uh, they lost in 18 minutes. <laughs> Who was that with? Against us. Oh, against us. Yeah. So the Battle of San Jacinto. San Jacinto. San Jacinto, man. <laughs> um, on April 21st, 1836, the Texan army... Under Sam Houston, attacked yeah. Santa Ana's armory on the banks of the San Jacinto River with cries of, remember the Alamo, remember Goliad, God in Texas. Nice. The battle lasted only 18 minutes. <laughs> it was a resounding victory for the Texans. That's amazing. So. Cool. Well, that has absolutely nothing to do with, it, t- it ties in. In no possible way with what we're going to talk about tonight, other than maybe the 18, we could figure out some way that number would, but it doesn't. But (laughs) so one plus eight is nine. One plus eight is nine. There you go. (laughs) There's always some way to trick it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I, as we always say, sit back, grab a coffee and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast.
Well, everybody, we've got a great guest tonight. I'm super excited. This is someone who I have respected and um, in just been in completely enthralled by uh, his research. We have William Ramsey on the podcast with us. William, thank you for joining us so much. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. So we have a mutual friend, John Brisson. He's been on our podcast a bunch of times, probably the most of any other guest. And uh, he... he uh, encouraged me to reach out to you. So I really am grateful that you're here. For those of you that are listening uh, that don't know William Ramsey, he has an amazing podcast. It's called William Ramsey Investigates. I'm going to put links to his podcast in the show notes. And he's written uh, three or four different books on Aleister Crowley, on the Memphis Three, the Smiley Face Killers. Um, he's been, he's just a, an amazing researcher. But tonight we want to talk about Aleister Crowley. And in particular, you've done some really cool uh research on connections with 9-11. So I'm excited to talk about that. But I do have one question for you before we jump into Aleister Crowley. How sure. did you get, How did, what spurred you on to do investigative research on him? Right. Well, I really was kind of an uh, independent 9-11 researcher by myself. Like mm -hmm. after 9-11 happened, 2001, I think I graduated from law school in 98, passed the bar in California in 98, practiced, and then kind of kind of came to the realization that 9-11 was a fiction. It was a hard realization to come to, actually, but it was just while researching, I was trying to find people who were not trying to lead me astray, but actually look at facts over this mysterious event. And one of the guys, unfortunately, he's passed away. His name was, he was part of something called the Ghost Troop, which has dissipated but he was known as Captain May. And you can actually listen to him talking on my podcast because I uploaded one of his old things back. You know, I'm at over 850 episodes now. But anyway, he uh, did a lot of research. But what he noticed was this over preponderance of the number 11 in all kinds of these events and just 9-11 and everything. There were just all kinds of 11s. But he just saw it was a simple pattern recognition for him. So for me, I was like, oh, yeah, he's right. There is a number 11. I'd never studied the occult. I was raised Catholic. I consider myself a Bible-believing Christian now. Mm -hmm. um, but so then it was just kind of like slowly unfolding. I remember seeing people in Los Angeles wearing shirts with a 93 on them. I'm like, why is that 93 there? Because that's flight 93. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? And it slowly kind of just unraveled that this number 11 was really a prime number of the Western esoteric tradition. Mm -hmm. And so then it was like, well, who's these people? What are they doing? What's this person, Aleister Crowley? Why is this 11 everywhere? And it led me really back to Crowley. So 9-11, I made that connection to Crowley's numerical system um, and really his religious system. And so that kind of led me to what's the really truth about So it was a lot of questioning, a lot of head scratching. I didn't really know anything. Now I know a lot about how the occult things actually, mm -hmm. but this was kind of like 2005, 2006. So just researching, reading who's really Crowley. There's a lot of biographies out there. Some are from people who are very sympathetic to Crowley, if not outright occultists. There are people, academic versions. There's his own biography, which he called confessions. So these were things that I just as a, as a kind of research grinder was like, okay, well, what's this stuff? So I collected all those books and read through them. And I realized that his ideology and his outlook, it was a template or something like an over, like a etching of the events of 9-11, his ideas of uh, kind of magic 
influencing people, transforming things in con- uh, conformance with his will. The 11 goes back to his book, The Book of the Law. And that really led to my first book in 2010 um, titled Aleister Crowley, 9-11. Well, it was Prophet of Evil, mm-hmm. uh, Aleister Crowley, 9-11 in the New World Order. And he really considered himself a prophet. And in a very like uh, superficial way, I had remembered people saying, oh, Crowley is a dilettante. Crowley is a dabbler. But my reading of Crowley from when he got out of Cambridge was he was a very serious uh, intellectual and a, a scholar of the occult. He spent all his time. He was very wealthy. So it really led me back to try to go back to the core documents of Aleister Crowley. And that's really kind of what I did. I kind of figured who really knew Crowley, too, not just me kind of looking back. I mean, Crowley lived from 1875 to 1947. So it was really like, who is this person? So I went back and tried to find notable figures who knew him. And there's a lot. Mm-hmm. There were people who had met him or seen him. Some in America wouldn't know, but some people, Ernest Hemingway, for example, people would know that name, mm-hmm. who knew of Crowley in um, Europe. Somerset Mom is a well-known kind of writer. People would know his name. So who really was Crowley? What did people think about him? And I found other names of people who knew him. People wouldn't really know their names. Clifford Bax and... Um, What's uh, uh, Lance Steve King? Some people might know him if you're in the UK. So anyway, that was kind of what I did, and I just showed that he had Crowley wasn't just an occultist; but he had political ideas. He really wanted to create, and this is actually a common theme within the occult: is to actually create kind of a magical world, not just having a magical worldview, but changing the culture to this kind of kind of a magic or occult kind of practices. So. They have, like I would say, Christians have the, the Great Commission or the entire the desire to transform people life, people's lives through Christ. Well, I'd say the occultists have something very simple, similar, where they are going out to find followers, to find um, people who are self or interested to train people in, in the occult. In the, and really, Crowley really, at core, really was a Satanist. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that he, he's a much more cultured Satanist. But uh, so I think that that's really kind of where my interest in Crowley started. It actually came out of 9 11, believe it or not. Hmm. And that's <laughs> awesome intro. There's a ton there. So let's talk about a little bit about how it, it goes from Alistair Crowley, t- like historically, to 9 11, because, you know, as you said, he was born in the 1800s. Go ahead, Rosie. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, we, we, could you give a little bit into who Crowley was before you start connecting? I was going to say before 9-11 is here's sure. this guy that, like you said, uh, is connected with so many people that are the movers and shakers of not just, I mean, <laughs> Ernest Hemingway, one of the most famous authors of all time. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, political people um, just kind of, he was just a, I, I don't know why the term mover and shakers are still stuck in my head, but he, he wasn't just some like, uh, I don't want to say he wasn't just a nut job because he was, but that he re- was really influencing and in his ideas, you, you know, he was in the milieu of people that, you know, m- mattered more or less. Right. So no, it's a really good, it's a good point. So he knew other writers, HL Mencken, people might know that name. He was, he right. was actually, really a uh, elitist aristocrat. So he had, he was a single only child, uh, born in 1875, died in 1947, 72. He um, 
was uh, an only child educated in what we would call in the States private schools. Cambridge, very well educated, left without obtaining a degree, thought he was above it. And then really his three interests were occultism, poetry, and mountain climbing. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was internationally world-traveled. Spendis, he's kind of an interesting character because he's never really in one place. Like a lot of people, you can see where their home is and they live in one place. Crowley kind of traveled a lot. He went to Switzerland for mountaineering hikes. He went all the way to India, so he would travel uh, you know, right at the apex of the English Empire. So he's really the kind of, uh, had a benefit of this being uh, as an aristocrat at the apex of really one of the biggest empires of all time, uh, which, the, you know, they say the famously the sun never set on the English Empire. Yeah. So he would go to India and he learned all this stuff there, yoga, things really kind of before kind of the new age movement of the 60s or stuff. So he would integrate yogic ideas, Hindu ideas, things from Chinese occultism. So he's always kind of practicing that stuff. But really, it's a very classist, aristocratic sensibility. So he really only mixed with other people he felt were in his class, like uh, well-known actresses, actors, writers, politicians, a lot of famous people that he uh, associated with hmm. in his life. Right? You know, He was a, I would call him a literateur, somebody who could write poetry and prose. His poetry never really gelled with the kind of poetry community but uh, he also wrote for like things that you might even know today which is like vanity fair but yeah so he was a true elitist and he believed in that the best political system was a feudal system so he's you see when you read like i think if you read prophet of evil you'll see overlaps of what's happening today this kind of neo-feudalism the 15-minute cities uh, you'll own nothing and be happy it's basically just what a surf was right a surf was just a uh, you know, they, they're really trying to create a neo-serfdom, these elitists. And a lot of them are sympathetic to Crowley. And that's kind of the mystery of Crowley is that he really was, he called himself a priest to the princes. So he was not trying to convert the rank and file. He was trying to find the diamond. He, he wrote in, in, this is in Prophet of Evil, he was trying to find the diamonds and polish them. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I think that that I, those ideas really permeated, and my really my follow up book to this, I kind of got sidetracked with the West Memphis Three Murders, but my follow up book to Prophet of Evil was published, original published. Prophet of Evil now is on its third edition, hmm. so it's been twelve years, and I've updated it many times. But the um, pro- the real thing is the Children of the Beast. Crowley dies in forty seven, but a lot of people he influenced are very influential: Leary, Hubbard, Parsons, who you mentioned mm-hmm. in the pre show. Um, so many bands, Led Zeppelin, <laughs> connections to the Rolling Stones, so many artists as well uh, that it's pretty surprising. And so his ideas, and that was really his goal. Like he called it the birth of the child. He was trying to create this age of Horus, just like I said. So he had kind of weird terminology that doesn't come out of kind of the Christian worldview. But he really was trying to kind of almost go back to almost like an Egyptian household gods mm-hmm. kind of uh man as god and you have your household gods as a, as opposed to the kind of uh biblical old testament right. god of abraham isaac and J- isaac and jacob that kind of thing what what was his source of wealth how did he how did he become so wealthy to travel in those circles that's a good question so he was born into the crowley family they were they they were a beer brewing family but they also made money selling sandwiches and food items in pubs all around england Hmm. so they just accrued money his dad was very fastidious and a hard worker 
he died when he was 12. His father died. Mm. Um, but his father was also a pamphleteer. But it seems like something happened to Crowley, like he was in the care of his mother, who he thought was kind of a shrill, uh, you know, true or something like that, and his uncle. And that's kind of where his rebellion kind of started, was after his father died, who he says he really admired. But um, so that money really uh, propelled him as an only child. He had a sister who died, I think, in childbirth or very young. But that went on. And when his mother died, I think it was in the early ni- uh, early 20th century, he had a uh, – he was an heir to like a 20 million pound or 20 million American dollars fortune, like an extraordinary wow. amount of money that he literally frittered away. But by the time he was in in his 50s or 60s, he had spent it all just carelessly. He had a very cavalier – casual view of money and always had very high tastes. He kind of expected the high state. So he stayed at the nicest hotels. He traveled in the nicest groups. He spent on the, the finest wines and food and things like that. Um, but he blew it away and he kind of like regretted it later. He just always expected a check to come. So he was kind of like a spoiled rich kid, I think. And now a lot of his attitudes are kind of like consistent with what we would call kind of a spoiled privileged rich kid in a lot of ways he never worked a day in his life he never worked an honest job in his life i mean imagine that for 72 years like he never worked for anybody he just you know and he spent money uh uh, very much a lot of money for like his books and his binding so it had the nice Mm -hmm. kind of vellum or whatever you know doe skin covers and you can still see those and i've been in private collections um, in schools around the country where they're remarkably well put together books. Like he did not spare a dime, um, for, you know, his recreations of magic and theory and practice and things like that. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of like his kind of attitude of, of Crowley's kind of view. But like I said, he was, tr- he was trying to influence things. He told this guy, Clifford Bax, like now you see we're in the sunset of Christianity and in the future, it will be Crowleyanity. Mm. So he really was trying to create a religion. He did create a religion. That religion he called Thelema, mm-hmm. which is will, right? It's a Greek word for will. And uh, will and Thelema is uh, will, and agape is the Greek word for love. And in his system, like when he would run through uh, the gematria, which is taking a word and giving it a numerical value, he found that both Thelema and will added up to 93. So he ninety three uh, was kind of an important an important distillation of his concepts, and you'll see in some of his later writings, instead of writing Aleister Crowley, he would just say ninety three, ninety three, ninety three, and you'll see that emulated in Dolomites mm-hmm. around the world today. So that ninety three, that's why it pops up in in nine eleven. So I really kind of mm-hmm. laid out the book as like Crowley bio ideas, what the numerology of Crowley. Crowley didn't think numbers were like independently powerful his new numerology referenced concepts so some people think like no numbers have power but he his 11 was like the primary number because it was the number of magic it was the addition of the macrocosm Mm -hmm. and microcosm symbolized by the pentagram and the hexagram right Mm -hmm. so you put those together you have 11 and that's a principle that goes through the western esoteric tradition it's not something Crowley just made up so you'll see the K's involved, which is the 11th letter of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll just see the 11 go through all of Crowley's kind of system. And you'll see that in, like, uh, it's mentioned in the Book of the Law, those who are 11 are those of us. It's mentioned 
Um, it goes through his famous kind of dictum, which is do it thou wilt shall be the whole law is, mm-hmm. is 11 words, 11 syllables. So he was trying to do things to give his ideas that kind of uh, magical resonance is what I would call it. Mm. it. For his religion, Thelema, that he came up with, how, how, what was the process for that? Was it just uh, developed sort of over time? What, what was the process for that? Do you know? It's a good question. So he grew, I mean, his kind of arc of his occult training started at when he was at Cambridge, he was reading something called like a cloud in the mist. There was some kind of esoteric stuff. He came across Mm -hmm. Blavatsky Mm -hmm. and then he uh, met some people who were involved in a group, a post Masonic group. That means they were after going through all of masonry. It was Mm -hmm. called the golden dawn and it included kind of the elite of London people that you would know, like, um, Oh, the guy who wrote, um, oh God, Butler, Butler Yates, mm-hmm. uh, was E.A. Yates or whatever. Anyway, he, he got through that. So he trained in all of their secret doctrines. He made an oath of silence. He would never reveal them. So he went through that. And then he eventually got kicked out. The thing, the golden dawn kind of <laughs> fell apart. Then he, then he published some of the rituals against, and then he had a lawsuit. So there's a very easily uh, referenced lawsuit that he had with a guy who was really kind of his mentor. His name was McGregor Mathers. Um, and you can see that Crowley kind of lifted a lot of Mathers ideas. Mm-hmm. His pen- Mathers had this penchant for wearing very florid attire with like, you know, leopard skins and staves and stabs. So, um, so Crowley, that was kind of his progression was through the golden dawn then he, then he had this Amber Abermelon the Mage ritual that he did up in Boleskin, up on the, literally on the Loch Ness kind of mon- mm-hmm. monster right. uh, lake. Um, so then he progressed and started his own group, the AA. Then he had this kind of the most important thing that he said happened in his life, which is the receipt of the Book of the Law in Cairo, Egypt in 1904. It happened over three days. And the Book of the Law became the central element of his religion of Philema. He said that a being called Awas stood over his shoulder for an hour a day over three days and dictated to him this kind of mysterious book. And you can see his writing. I included it in my book and you can see it in my documentary on Prophet of Evil. So he um, he wrote about that and then that became kind of a central thing is this receipt of his ideas and the ideas kind of permeate his religion of Philema. He then became involved in this group called the OTO, the Ordo Templi Orientis, which was a German group. Mm-hmm. And he eventually became his, its head in 1925 and integrated into the OTO a lot of his ideas. But his Thelema, he he organized everything on kind of numerology. His, he had tons of rituals. He had all kinds of coded language, uh, sexual language. And it kind of, he had this, this, what he called the discovery that was consistent with or concurrent with the OTO which was adding drugs and sexual behavior into these rituals. Mm. And so that was kind of like, so that's what being known as sex magic. And then um, that was it. So then it just went on. And so then he became the outer head of the OTO until his death, I think in 47, never really gave up the reins. It's always amazing to me when uh, you see these, the rise of these cults, uh, how something gave them the information. Like you talked about how this Iowa stood over his shoulder for three days and 
gave him, dictated to him this writing. And I think about, you know, Joseph Smith with yeah. Mormonism and even, right. even um, Muhammad with Islam, you know, when he received from, you know, an angel supposedly, Gabriel. But uh, the whole idea of this Thelema, it, and it's also amazing to me too, you're, you mentioned Blavatsky had inf influenced him. It's always the same people, right? <laughs> yeah. And D, and John D. John so D. Like right. he was, yeah. So he would do D's rituals. There's actually recordings of Aleister Crowley conducting these aethers, A E T H Y R S. Mm. These aether kind of rituals that John, these calls that John D. and Kelly did. So actually, it's interesting you mentioned Joseph Smith. Crowley admired Smith from afar, and I think he did because he recognized him as a fellow traveler. Mm. <laughs> and they did the same rituals. So John D. found K Kelly, right? So. Kelly, they would do this ritual where Ke and you can look this up. This is all verifiable. Kelly would look into a hat and look and talk. And then, oh no, Kelly would write it down, but D would look into the hat and talk. Mm. And then Crowley does the same thing with a guy by the name of Victor Newberg using these tablets and stuff like that in um, the desert of Algeria, the same technique. And then uh, Joseph Smith does the same technique. You can, this is actually part of the Mormon religion. <laughs> yeah. This is actually what they talk about. And you can see Joseph Smith's shoe stone in a freaking, in a, in a museum in Utah. Right. Like he shows this black glass stone. So Joseph Smith is literally looking down and his guy, Sidney Rignan is writing things down, just like Crowley Newberg and mm -hmm. Dean Kelly, mm -hmm. the same thing. And there's actually an interesting a thing that even Mormons should kind of scratch their head is that Joseph Smith's receipt of the book of law isn't consistent because he says he translated, he said he translated from these golden plates, yeah. but also conducted this ritual. So what is it? Hmm. Like maybe I have to go back through and look at that again, but hmm. the book of the law is a received book. I mean, the, the Mormon, the book of Mormon is a received book and there's a yeah. lot more received books than you would think. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these guys are receiving things from beings and entities and stuff. It sounds like he wanted to be a John D, but to a different group of people rather than just queen, you know, the queen or whatever. Yeah, I think that it's part of the magic, the esoteric tradition. Like, at a strange, I know people who are magicians today who go back and look at these stuff. And D's writings were pretty voluminous. He was definitely a genius mm -hmm. and thinking on different mm -hmm. levels and people... I mean, this is Elizabethan England. People have made some pretty vast views of, of Dee's ideas, like as a cartographer and stuff like that. So um, very interesting, but definitely talking to entities very much like somebody would be a paranormal person today, like Dee and Kelly. And they and ended up like they, I mean, it gets pretty dark, but um, yeah. And Crowley too was definitely people, he was definitely coven, coveting, communication from other beings his whole whether it's iwas he had different workings he had different beings one he called the magician or the wizard hmm. and then there were just other contacts and spiritual events so he was looking for spiritual events but from a, a cult perspective for sure did did alistair crowley have any connections with with uh nazi germany or any of the the workings of going on it because the the occult practices in within you know hitler's the ss yeah the yeah. s all of that was it sounds eerily familiar D did he have connections there at all yeah, did he 
Well, I actually wrote a book. I wrote in part of my book, it's uh, Alistair Crowley and Adolf Hitler. I can't remember the actual title of that section, but they had a very similar outlook. And Crowley, after the war, kind of infamously and very darkly said, before Hitler was, I am. So I think he understood how much I would say that Crowley was kind of the intellectual part of, of Hitler being the political part because their outlooks and their views were creepily and eerily similar. The, tri- the triumph of the will, right? So mm-hmm. Crowley writes the Lima of the will and their kind of occultism and their view for other, towards other people, uh, the neo-feudalism of, of the Nazi state, right? They had like the, the elite elect and then all the slaves, they had a huge slave state, people slave labor if they didn't kill them off they enslaved them super dark um so there are weird connections between crowley and hitler crowley was in so he was in he i mean i think the evidence shows and there's a really good book called secret agent 666 mm-hmm. by spence but it showed he uh, his name was uh, richard spence he found documentation that confirmed that Crowley was working for the British government as an Intel agent in California, I mean, in New York during world war one. So he, that's verified. So he Crowley was also in Italy at a strange time, right? When Mussolini marched on Rome, the black shirts, right? Mm -hmm. And he eventually got kicked out of Italy by Mussolini personally, Mussolini personally wrote the edict that kicked Crowley out of uh, Italy. And then Crowley went to France and got kicked out of France. And then he ends up, like he was uh, suspiciously sending stuff to the to the Germans. Then he ends up in Weimar Germany, I think, until Hitler come, came to power. So his time in in that that very chaotic time in Germany is very strange. Mm. And some people have tried to make connections, and there are people who were trying to get the Book of the Law and Crowley stuff to Hitler. But mm. Hitler was an esotericist. There's absolutely no question about it that he he was involved in the Thule Society, yeah. involved in getting books from other occultists in um, in Germany. There was a book that I include that's strangely similar to Crowley's writing, but the guy's name was Schertl, and I include it in, uh, and it's a book that, that was in Hitler's library that was unfortunately not found totally intact, but it's at Brown University, and Hitler was underlining these kind of statements and references that are very Crowley. Schertl clearly is not um Schertl is definitely not like connected to Crowley but very some kind of out similar magical worldview outlook yeah. and you can read about that in Prophet of Evil so there's a lot of research and maybe some of these Germans uh, know a lot more of the OTO's connection in uh to the Nazi party yeah. than really is divulged outside of the research of, of uh, people in Deutschland and you know, I don't know so it's a very strange overlap between Crowley and Hitler there's no question and it just it seems crazy to me because when you think about like Operation Paperclip, when we brought over all these guys after the war, how much esoteric stuff was going on with all of the programs that they were doing. I wonder how much influence Crowley had. Like, are his tentacles reaching that far in? Like, I mean, it it doesn't seem like far fetched to me to think that. I mean, I think a lot of these secret societies. They collect books. Mm-hmm. They collect have their own libraries. Whether even it's uh, even it's if it's the Masons or um, some of these other characters, what they just collected these books. So pre- people 
would probably have collected Crowley's books and read them and try mm-hmm. to understand what he was thinking and integrated it. Yeah. And that's what people are doing today. They're still using kind of Crowley as a springboard for their own research. But almost all modern occultists up to the present go through a Crowley period, whether they disregard him, whether they admire him, whether they, you know, view him as a prophet. I mean, there's always something that uh, somebody know they know of Crowley in his work if you're kind of in the occult. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, and you had mentioned uh, that he had great influence on, you know, like the Rolling Stones, and I, I remember the Beatles had a, a, a nod to him. He was on the cover of uh, Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, yeah. So we see him kind of being carried through, heading towards 9-11. I, I got one more question. Yeah. Sorry, before you get into it, it was right. So how, because um, he, he is he's connected with Timothy Leary, correct? And kind Crowley? of yes, yeah. Timothy Leary actually, you, there's a re- recorded video of him saying Timothy Leary saying, "I'm carrying on the work of Alistair Crowley." What? So wow. So yeah. yeah. So is you there, can find it. You can just pull it up. Look up <laughs> Timothy Leary mentions Alistair Crowley. It's on YouTube. Well, we might have to pull that in. <laughs> but so and, no, it's actually very strange because I mentioned Crowley in Algeria with mm-hmm. uh, Newberg. Leary, once he got sprung out of uh, jail, went to Algeria or Tunisia and then traveled to the same kind of desert oasis that Crowley was in. It was called Busada. And then he said, my life and Crowley's are intertwined. The synchronicities are amazing. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it's in Children of the Beast. But he actually had Crowley's I Ching sticks. So he carried around Crowley's implements. So he knew all that. He would uh, Leary would be involved in the tarot, so he Leary was really a new ager, and it's interesting too because Leary knew Aldous Huxley, right? Who knew mm-hmm. Crowley? So mm-hmm. there's weird connections there. Like Huxley actually wrote a book called "Do What You Will," which is incredible. <laughs> like it's a complete ripoff, right. and there isn't a private collection somewhere, or if it's lost, I don't know. But there was a record of Crowley doing a showing his artwork in. Um, in Berlin, and one of the art pieces was a uh, portrait of Aldous Huxley. Huxley. So I mm. think it was lost. And he's, Crowley was rumored to be the person who gave Huxley much magic mushrooms. So that's that. Right. So he. So I, I just wanted to pick up on that point because you would. Uh, it's very interesting, and maybe you you do you have an answer for this? You or if you don't, that's all right. Um, but he was instrumental in kind of you had said bringing in the the sex and the drugs into these magical rituals, um, so that I, that's so fascinating that about Timothy Leary um, because if anyone's not familiar with him, he's uh, I can't think of even Albert Albert Hoffman wasn't as big of a proponent. Uh, than Timothy Leary was of LSD and the psychedelic experience and hippie culture and all that stuff. And that ties in with like the music that mm-hmm. Aleister Crowley, uh, you know, the, the Beatles when they're, <laughs> and right. the, that's when Sergeant they got Pe- weird, man. That's when they got yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, and, album. The, and the same thing with uh, um, Led Zeppelin, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong with this, is that um, was it Robert Plant bought the house on Lo- the Loch Ness Lake, where Aleister Crowley did those rituals, is, is, that's correct. Yeah, right? it was Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. He actually was a collector of Aleister Crowley's 
artifacts. So he would go to like art collections and buy up his books and his magic stuff and all those things. But Bullskin was one of the things that he purchased. Hmm. So he had it and it burned down like two or three years ago. They're trying to rebuild hmm. it. But uh, yeah, it's right there overlooking Loch Ness. So, you know, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they call it a lot more. Crowley is probably uh, considered one of the top 100 first most important people in Britain. So most people kind of go through a Crowley phase. Right. They've read his stuff. They're aware of what he does. And um, it's much more like uh, there's pictures of Sting with Crowley books. And hmm. A lot of these guys know, know these musicians kind of know. And it still goes on today. I mean, there's right. all kinds of, I mean, there's Jay-Z with the Do What Thou Wilt making magical yeah. signs that Crowley would make. So these guys are all, they're much more, there's actually some other guy who's like a flat out Crowley. He's actually African-American, but he has do what thou wilt over his back. Like he's a total believer. Mm-hmm. Crowley was really racist too. Like <laughs> a lot of these people might not know how much of uh, how nasty Crowley was, but yeah, I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Keep going. Where, where you're going. Oh sure. yeah. So uh, I guess what I was saying is like, we see his influence weaving through. So he's makes it through the drug culture, the sixties, you know, he's long, he's long dead now. And, I'm still like, I, and you, when you started, you were it was great because you were talking about the influence of the numbers. We had Flight 93 on 9-11, 9-11, 11, you know, it was on September 11th. The yep. buildings look like 11. Um, They're 110 stories long. They're a giant 11. 11 is a ideogram too. So it's a symboling, symbolizing of opposites. So there's all kinds of weird things, like just how, how important 11 was. And who built that? It's David and Nelson Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. So what's their connection to all this? You know, there's actually an infamous picture of David Rockefeller on the cover of Newsweek or Time, and he's sitting there smiling at the picture, and his watch is at 9/11. And in the background, <laughs> the twin towers are going up. And who's in the who's uh, in the shadow of the twin towers, writing 2001: A Space Odyssey? Kubrick and Clark. Mm-hmm. And who? What's Clark know? Total Mason. Clark is a full Mason. Stone Cold Mason of the highest order. Yeah, knows all the occult stuff. They're very, both probably very involved in faking the moon landing. Um, and how tall is the monolith in the 2001 Space Odyssey that you watch on the moon? Uh, 11 feet. 11 feet tall, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So these guys have integrated it, all these concepts into, quote, fiction, unquote. Hmm. And... Uh, very cleverly, and then you can go look up the Millennium, Hil- Millennium Hilton in front of the downed Twin Towers, and it's just a huge monolith. It's incredible. Mm. It's absolutely yes. incredible, overseeing this huge sacrifice. Yeah. So, so you, you, a, these elites have a whole different religion. They are not Christian. I so, would say a lot of them at the top. The million-dollar question, William, is, so you believe 9-11 was a ritual I think so. It was ritualized. I think it was just somebody thought about it for decades or, you know, years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they had something planned for that event. I don't know what they were going to do, mm-hmm. but the 2001, the new millennium was mm-hmm. a big event for occultists because of the changes, the changing of the thousand years. So they're thinking on these long terms, just like Hitler, really. I'm going to have a thousand year right. So they're thinking on these aeonic ideas, aeonic change, just like Crowley. He talked about the new aeon, not the new age, Mm -hmm. but they Mm -hmm. wanted aeonic change. So I think that they just came up with something on 9-11 that was it. The numbers were right. The timing was right. Hmm. And uh, 
Look at the famous George Bush, Bush New World Order. Yeah. Uh, 2000, what was it, 1990, uh, 9-11 speech. I mean, it's literally 11 years to the day of the events of 9-11. That should tell you everything. It tells you everything about George mm. Bush Sr. Um, yeah. But... Uh, Speaking yeah, of, I uh, mean, it's really powerful, and it indicates just total control of the system, complete control of the system. Complete control. You're right. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the Bush family, isn't there some kind of weird connection with uh, Alistair Crowley and right? And- <laughs> well, she. I mean, Barbara looks like Crowley. She has a big head. You can put them <laughs> side to side. It's not like they're two different looking people. She acts like Crowley. She's clearly not a Christian. Um, she says all kinds of weird things, you know, when there was the whole Katrina thing, she's like, Oh, these poor people, this is good for them to be in the, you know, stadium, you know, having, you know, with no running water or whatever. So, um, the story goes is Crowley gets kicked out of Italy in 1923. The Abbey of Philema falls apart. He goes back to Paris. Paris seems to be a waypoint for him. He's in Paris. He's with his friend Harris. And her, his, his girlfriend was kind of O'Hara, I think his name. And Harris was kind of like an edgy, kind of sexually charged writer at the time, which was very scandalous. But Crowley is doing these rituals, and apparently O'Hara knew Pauline Pierce, right? Because Barbara is a, is a Pierce. Hmm. Um, so she, and it's known that Pauline Pierce went, like that was kind of the big thing for the elites in America was to go to the city of lights in the twenties, right? That was kind of like what Paris was at its heyday. Now it's a huge dump overrun with migrants, much like London is a total dump now, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. So these great cities have been migrants. That's a whole different story, but migration <laughs> yeah. is actually a form of warfare. It's just a different type of yeah. warfare. Amen. But yeah. anyway, it's a full war. I mean, we're, yeah. there our own governments at war against us right now. Yeah. Anyway, so <clears throat> uh, unbridled immigration. I mean, migrants is the stupidest thing on earth so anyway they were at this this city of lights and the rumor is is that pauline pierce is involved in sex magical rituals with crowley and harris and she becomes a servitor and she comes the timing kind of fits it fits right she comes back from europe pregnant and gives birth to barbara and then, then i think that she met george w bush when she was 14 or 15 and he was 17 very young I think even before he went world to World War II. So all the timing kind of fits. And mm. if you see a picture of her with her so-called family, she's a genetic outlier. She does not look like everybody else. <laughs> so that's this whole story is that she is the actual real offspring of Crowley. And that was the bloodline. You know, if you are kind of like an elitist, that's kind of like your thing. It's like, well, how do you trace your genealogy and all that stuff? So that gives kind of credence to the 9-11 having this kind of Crowleyan element to mm. it is that it's a familial thing. It's not just an ideological idea. And then, you know, the bushes are all skull and bones and mm-hmm. that's also hereditary almost mm-hmm. going back to Prescott Bush. They have rituals. You get born again, you're initiated. It's just the whole bit. There's, you know, signs of silence and all kinds of crazy stuff. So, um, yeah. So I think that that's, pretty compelling evidence that something else is going on with Crowley and, and Crowley kind of, you know, he never really hung out with his children. He had five offspring, one died, but he just didn't, he was not a father figure to anybody. He kind of, but he would, and even later in life, like before he died in his late sixties, he had a, some woman said, I want you to have my child. So he had that child. His name was Ataturk. 
Crowley, and you can read about him. But he was a mess. He kind of started, he thought, you know, he knew he was the offspring of Crowley. He wore all kinds of military regalia, but he never really amounted to much, he, all other than kind of like a, a novelty act or something. Like that. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there, are uh, any of his children alive today? Not to my knowledge. Okay. <laughs> um, I think there were people who kind of made it out. There were children with Crowley, children that he had with two women. One was uh, Hersig and another I can't remember when he was at his magical fraternity or magical thing at the Abbey of Thelema. One of them made it to Berkeley. Like I heard that she passed away after 9-11. So she mm. uh, lived a very long life, but she had had a Crowley connection, like, and I was up in the Northern California, like I might've walked by that person or right. had coffee with her, not to my, cause I lived up there, but mm. it's just one of those kind of weird things. They probably never mentioned that they knew Crowley. And not a lot of people did, would really admit friendship with Crowley. Um, but a lot of, he knew a lot of people. He was a very active um, letter writer. Mm -hmm. So a lot of his, you can go through some of his collections and you can just see him writing postcards and letters. And even when he was late in life, he had a, there was a compilation of his letters about magic to people that he would write and it got compiled into a book called Magic Without Tears, Magic with a K Without Tears. So he was uh, faithful to his outlook, although at the end of his life he said, I might have been insane, I regret what I did, there seemed to be some self-loathing there. He was a flat-out junkie, he could mm -hmm. not survive without heroin, uh, massive amounts of heroin, like apparently, I don't know what the equivalent is, but. In England at the time, it was like 10 grains of heroin a day. So wow. he was uh, he was a mess, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't die of some kind of sexually transmitted disease or something, you know. <clears throat> there were rumors he had syphilis. Mm -hmm. um, he had asthma his whole life, so he was had operations to help him to self-breathe better. And he was close to death at certain times. So um, from drug use, like he was addled from drug use that he did. Uh, cocaine and all just all kinds of crazy stuff like what was the other one ether he would, yeah. he would snort ether mm. e-t-h-e-r which is really weird and um every everything you know hashish alcohol but uh and uh, you could see it later in his life people said like his tongue was green he had very <laughs> deep set eyes mm -hmm. like you can see the later pictures of him are available and he looks like he hadn't slept in like three years like literally right. like you know, like he did not get into deep sleep or something. So, um, yeah, he was, uh, he was, he was, yeah, but he, you know, all his personal relationships ended in disaster. His kids were kind of a disaster. His kids were a disaster. His children didn't talk to him. Some of the women, he said, he told one, oh, she'll make a good whore. Like that's what he said about his own daughter. Wow. Um, one who died. Yeah. He's a monster. And the women just were wrecks. Like they either got abandoned to prostitution or, Ended up in a mental institution. Um, you know, he branded all of his scarlet women with the mark of the beast, like a like a cow. So they had brands on their chest, and you can see the before <laughs> and after Crowley pictures. They looked, they look haggard and mm -hmm. unhappy and just yeah. haunted, really haunted. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that was. And a he pretty... once he was done, he, yeah, he would just leave them. Like, oh, I found yeah. another woman. There was some like woman came from america to europe to meet him and he just dumped his his last scarlet woman and went off with this girl and then she dumped him <laughs> so it uh kind of uh yeah he was but you know the thing is is that you were supposed to be true to your own will which i think is a mm -hmm. very selfish um 
self-centered uh, worldview. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of like don't have any fealty to anybody else. You're yeah. your own God or whatever. Yeah. That's what's so weird to like, uh, t- to hear uh, and just take a snapshot again of all these people right. from Ernest Hemingway to the Beatles, you know, all these people, politicians in different countries, you know, pro- prolific um, network of people uh, that just seems so drawn to this guy who's like, <laughs> he, uh, I don't want to say, uh, I can, I'm going to keep it kind of PG, but at the very minimum of saying he's a huge piece of crap, just as a human being of treating everyone right. around him, <laughs> he's a, you know, a junkie, um, well, you druggy. Druggy. I was yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff with like the, the kid, the horrible stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Terrible stuff. So what it, was there anything, um, <laughs> uh, I guess maybe this is going to kind of a, a weird question, but, uh, where I was going with all of that, there, there has to have been something about him that I think people were somehow drawn to. I, I can't imagine or, uh, he obviously had a, you know, there wasn't some time that everyone just cut him off. And so if he was able to somehow keep this network going, do you think that there is any of these, you know, uh, workings, these rituals that he was doing for, you know, some of them take a couple of years, if I'm not mistaken, of doing all these ritualistic things. Do you think that there was like these people around him actually getting any benefit from it? Do you think that they were engaging in these rituals with him? Um, was there, this is kind of, you know, totally out of left field, uh, you know, were they directly gaining power? Do you think that they were uh, becoming successful musicians afterwards because they are doing that kind of stuff? Or do you think that there was anything that he was doing that actually was working? <laughs> kind of a weird question. Well, that's a good question. I, I've never practiced magic. I definitely right. grew up <laughs> in American culture, but I don't know. But I've talked to people who have. I talked to the occult rejects. They say magic works. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's quotes from Jimmy Page where he looked into Crowley's system. Hmm. And he said it worked for him. So people yeah. would say there's like results. I don't know, but I guess if uh, Crowley's promise isn't to be like the best person you can be, it's to be like a star. You know, every woman mm-hmm. is every man and woman is a star, as it says in the Book of the Law. So. These are kind of selfish objectives to get money. Crowley was always doing rituals to get money, to be famous. So these are all what I would term carnal, yeah, carnal kind of objectives. So uh, it's opposite of like where the Christian, where you like supposed to be the best person possible, follow these things, and then everything will be added to you, right? Right, So it's kind of an end around about that, like to get inspired. And Crowley's trying to get ideas from entities or satan or whatever so yeah we i mean mean, for really i think it worked on destroying i mean being an awful human being and destroying other people's lives and still destroying other people's lives to this day Mm -hmm. and keeping people away from god like the benefit beneficence of uh, almighty god you know yeah so i think that that's i would say that nothing is is for me nothing is worthwhile about cruelly but i think it's part of our world and people go this route so it's important. Like a lot of your celebrities, they love Crowley. Yeah. Yeah. They love all the stuff, the 11s and, oh, yeah, he's great and blah, blah, blah. And you can see their reference. I mean, and these modern magic people like mm-hmm. uh, Marina Abramovich, mm-hmm. who 
you know, she's probably just like what Crowley was like a, somebody who's giving stories yeah. to the wealthy, you know, like whatever, I'll do these rituals and you get paid, you know, you'll get some kind of benefit. Like she's just another kind of a cult, yeah. uh, witch, whatever. Well, we, you know, we do know in scripture, I mean, he, you, you mentioned that Crowley went down to Egypt and Cairo and spent time down there trying to learn. And if you, you know, biblically, you look in the Old Testament when Moses was, you know, trying to get his people out of Egypt, the Pharaoh's magicians could do some of the same things that Moses was doing. Through, you know, he's doing it through the power of God. They're copying it. So we know there's some kind of power in, you know, this this magic, We you know, obviously. So, and he may have tapped into something, uh, you know, looking for it, found it, and uh, then he was kind of stuck with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I don't feel... I don't think he was repentant. No. I, don't, I don't think he was repentant even to the end. I think that that right. was his thing. I think he was angry with God. He wanted to be... He was attracted to the kind of dark forces. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, he was definitely in a mental institution. They sent him to a mental institution in Switzerland once mm. in his later life. So I know that he didn't... <laughs> wasn't mentally well at certain points of his life, but, uh, I mean, how much of his stuff like he could do, like he had tons of blood rituals. He advocated for human blood. And mm -hmm. so as far as like, what I think that Paul mentions them, the, the Pharaoh's magicians as Janus and Jambres. Right. So I think that they were like, that's who, that's who Moses when the con was in conflict with. And you can go back and look at the old Testament. The whole nation of Israel was in conflict with yeah. all kinds of, cultists and Molech people and yeah, yeah. Baal worshipers. It's a consistent theme, whether it's Elijah and the priest of Baal or Jezebel, mm. right? Or some of these other characters, like they popped up. So Crowley was, um, or actually uh, Simon Magus, right? Yeah. So yeah. apocryphally, Peter contested with Simon, Simon, you know, and uh, I think it's an ax. Yeah. He's like, oh, where do you get your power? That's right. So they want power, right? They covet power. And I think that's what Crowley would want. Like he coveted power from his ritual. So it's much more biblical, I think, uh, maybe than people might realize, just to know that this kind of modern person is part of this line. Crowley uh, was the most person who influenced Crowley the most was a guy by the name of Eliphas Levy. Mm. His real name was Constant. He was an ex-French Catholic priest. He mm -hmm. died in 1875. Crowley didn't translate his books. He didn't just think he was influential. Crowley thought he was the reincarnation of Elvis Levy. So oh, he's wow. like part. Of, he thinks he's part of this weird magical tradition like or Levy influenced, yeah. yeah, lineage. Of, so Levy influenced um, Alfred Pike and masonry. Man. So you see these kind of weird overlaps and cross fertilization between different sections of occultism, but. Yeah, I think Crowley, uh, Crowley, uh, that was just his view. That was just kind of his worldview. I think that he, for some reason, really went to the devil. He wanted to be the chief of staff of the devil. That's what he said. Mm. So he wrote. So. so let me let me go back to nine eleven real quick. <laughs> I keep I keep bouncing back in. Is do you when you mentioned um, that Crowley wanted to bring in this new eight. Eon, Aeon, you know, this age of some... A-E-O-N, yeah. And I've seen, I remember hearing a bunch of, um, you know, probably, man, I want to say is maybe six or seven years ago about the age of Aquarius and this whole 
kind of new age that was coming in and this old age was leaving. Do you do you think that possibly this 9/11 event was sort of a kickoff for that you know a ritual for kickoff for that new age to come forth and uh bring us into the next you know phase of this elite rulership where now we're seeing the, the World Economic Forum, you know, really you know over the last couple of years it's just off. out of nowhere it seems like, you know, even though they've been around since the 70s. Um and and then just the insanity of world governments like democracy or any type of freedom is just being just strangled in some of the places you just don't or even just ignored even worse just ignored constitutional rights ignored uh, bill of rights ignored deliberately like taken out of schools out of discussion look at how many intellectuals don't even mention the bill of rights Mm -hmm. or individual sovereignty sovereignty Mm -hmm. like the new doctrine of uh really securing our freedoms is going to be are we sovereign WHO is trying to steal uh, sovereignty from us. I mean, some of these people are literal Judases of the American system are at the WEF. Mm-hmm. You can go watch John Kerry and Al Gore talking about all this nonsense about global warming, which is another huge psych war baloney, mm-hmm. and Kerry's asking for money. So um, I do think that 9-11 was partial. It was an elite act, you know, and I think it was um, – uh, what's his name? There's an author who writes about the Bilderberg, and he write, he said kind of a good quote, which is, the new world order is really just the old world order, right? So it's mm-hmm. just all of these elites like Crowley whose sensibility never worked. Like George right. Bush went to um, the store to get food. He didn't even know what it was to read the kind of food thing. He'd never seen somebody buy food at a store. Like they're totally detached, just mm. like Crowley. They have no clue. So I truly believe that 9-11 was, there was a neo-feudal intent there and all the money went up and all of the uh, people that went off to war, useless wars, spending, who made the money, people who knew, who had money in defense, the uh, Patriot Act, which wasn't patriotic, actually took (laughs) away a lot of our rights. So you can just go down the list. I list them in my book. I mean, I think it's pretty apparent that it was a huge social political change event that benefited a very small amount of people. And, you know, you can just go look at like BlackRock and all these other companies that just yeah. own huge slugs of the, the corporate system. I mean, it should terrify every American that these corporations are run by this secretive, mm-hmm. huge um, financial uh, entity that with no oversight, nobody knows their name. Yeah. yeah. Nobody knows what it is, but, there's the people feeding you information, feeding you crappy food, taking away your ability to own your own house, yeah. leaving you in debt peonage. I mean, it's gone, baby. It's too late. You're fighting your way back. Like and people who say, um, hey, man, it's going to happen on the – you are not – you must be blind. Yeah. You must have like cattle, like uh, – like a horse blinders on your eyes because it's already happened. So, I mean, you could go back and look at my parents growing up. They could buy a house for 50,000. My dad made five thousand here, pay off the mortgage, have a house, have a family, pay for college very easily. That, that my generation's gone, baby. It's gone. Most people have been just mind raped by evil propaganda, by Luciferians, by drugs, Mm -hmm. poor. Yeah. It's, it's people have already been plowed. They've already had their knives dulled. So yeah, it, it's really uh, the war has already been lost. It's really uh, what's going to happen now from here. It's sad. It's really yeah. the truth. All these Christian leaders kind of sad too. 
I mean, I don't want to go there, but I mean, some of these corporate. Yeah, the, uh, the maintenance cor- are really just money grubbers. <laughs> yeah, the corporate. It's we. It's literally a corporocracy. I don't even know how to say the word. Where, but it's basically big corporations are running things and the government yeah and we saw this with with it's not it, we saw this, i will say it's not even just corporations as in there's like a lot of them oh right there's like <laughs> there's seven like, there's right? like five or six yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like but and we saw it happen with uh with the with the pandemic when that happened we saw the you know the government didn't have to hand down you know local laws about oh you have to wear your mask or you have you can't come in unless you're vaccinated the the the, the stores would do it mm-hmm. for them you know, and <laughs> even though the stores were breaching all kinds of laws as themselves, you know, and what they were doing, but they were they were actually becoming the strong arm for the government. They didn't have to do a lot. And I think you're just going to see more of that. And, and we got digital banking coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's dark, man. It's it's not looking yeah, it's good. Very dark. Not for freedom. Not looking and, good. Yeah. But. I mean, if you don't know Jesus, you better get on now because he's going to be the only way out of this thing, man. <laughs> like we There's say, no that, question. Yeah, we say that all the time. It's a spirit. You're in like the most blatant, obvious spiritual war I've ever seen in my life. It mm-hmm. is clear as day to me. The people who run this country are evil. They're Luciferians. They don't care about you. You can tell by just like this whole shot, kill shot rollout. They're giving it to kids. Mm-hmm. They're giving mRNA to kids. So it's more like yes. level evil. These are the most evil people who've ever lived since the Nazis. So it's clear as day to me. And the fact that the Christian church cannot come together over all kinds of boundaries and say, hey, this is evil and spiritual wickedness, says everything. Yeah. Period. Yeah. yeah. Lukewarm and asleep, man, unfortunately. And, you know. So, I mean, I don't know how these people can escape damnation. I really don't. That's a biblical statement. Like, I don't know how they can. Like, that's, you're a pastor? Yeah. What the, what's going on? <laughs> well, you know, William, I, it, it tells us in, in the last days there's going to be an apostate, you know, a falling away, a great falling away of the church, that there's going to be a, a remnant that will hold true to the truth. And we see that, you know, all through Scripture. But but I think we're witnessing that right now, where I think we're wit- witnessing a great falling away. And the dis- they're like masters of distractions, right? Like, I mean, what does magicians do? Like sleight of hand, right? You know, so they're like yeah. on a huge scale, they're distracting people with this and that. Oh, you know, and you don't even like, like take for instance, recently that, that train that derailed in Ohio, you know, the only place I saw information on it was, was the internet. I didn't see anything on mainstream news about it. You know, there was just no reporting about it, and it's it's a disaster. And uh, it's a total disaster. Yeah, and the only people who are clued well, into it this shows your government. Your government. I mean, and the sad truth is that the American government doesn't represent the people anymore. Right. It's taxation without representation. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. where, unfortunately where we're at. So yeah. I mean, and they these are all like a lot of people. A lot of these people on the left. I'm not really happy with the right. I, I mean, but. Yeah. They won't say that it's the the Biden administration taking away your constitutional rights by by censoring. It comes from the government, from the White House, through these tech companies to censor people. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been censored like four or five times. I keep getting kicked off of YouTube, Facebook. People are telling me what to think. Like this, uh, this is neo communism. It's neo feudalistic communism. It's Mm -hmm. disgrace. No, and it goes back to not fighting 
all the way back to 9-11 and even before that, some of these political assassinations that happened in this country yeah. that people just got didn't do anything. And people are still getting murdered. I mean, these this whole shot rollout was uh, the mm-hmm. most incredible thing you could imagine. Yeah. And look at them, look at them poker facing it, all of them. Yeah. Fauci, Gates, Walensky, all these people. I mean, the guy who was like the head of the COVID tax force is now the Zietz is now the head <laughs> chief of staff of the White House. Right. So yeah. you have a guy overseeing mass murder, like hanging out with Biden. Yeah, it's off the charts. It's off the charts. Nothing like this has ever happened. People talk about Nuremberg too. It's worse. It has to be a completely new system if you're going to be safe. Yeah. They're just mm-hmm. lying about everything. They lie like a devil. These are devils, man. Mm-hmm. These are monsters. I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> no, if you can oversee and give out these shots to little kids, you're a killer. You're yes. a child killer. You're an offense to God. You're mm-hmm. the worst. Yeah. These are the worst people. Yeah, and then and then you have in the, our country. Yeah, and you horrible. have the whole transgender thing too, where they're just forcing yeah. these kids into ideologies. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. Dude. Yeah, yeah. No, and, it's a multi-pronged attack. It's like ten prongs: yeah. cultural, political, man, spiritual. Economic, it's all yeah, there, it's, it's all, yeah. Epic times I mean, we're living uh, in. I was going to yeah. say, it's... No, it's worse than you think, worse than everybody thinks. I, it's, 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 it's straight up, uh, like, Crowleyan is, like, you know, his whole thing. And we didn't touch it for a good reason, but, like, we mentioned, you know sexual abuse of kids is like that's the that's what you you look at the transgender Mm -hmm. stuff i I mean this is kind of crude but like when i think of like the rulers the powers that be is like they want to kill or rape our kids or do both at the same time you know like one or the other and it's like that's exactly the same thing that like crowley was doing weird look at how many people yeah, yeah absolutely crowley was doing it too yeah it's, it's part of it it's part of the thing crowley w- believed in the positive androgyne you know he believed mm-hmm. in the androgyne that, that he was and he was androgynous really he was bisexual so yeah. all these people find probably a hero in crowley you know somebody who yeah you know changes things supposedly filed down his teeth into you know like uh lizard teeth like what? sharp pointy teeth that's why he, there's never a picture of him smiling huh yeah. Never a picture of them smiling. So these this this is like uh you know part of that whole current. That's yeah. bad. It's the bathroom. You know, it's weird well, too, because I'm so yeah. old. I'm fifty four and when I was growing up, like there was like bad things on TV and people were like, If you don't stop this now, it's only gonna worse and everybody said, Oh, come on, you know, right, a little right. bit of a gay character. This is not a big deal. And then here we are, twenty twenty three, and there's like literal male transvestites dancing in front of six-year-olds kids yeah singing wop yeah yeah like this is they were right they were absolutely right exactly they're absolutely yeah. right so how do we get it back i mean the the the, the amish are right on everything <laughs> simple life less technology grow your own food mm-hmm. yep ignore don't don't uh don't assimilate to the the cult, common culture praise yep. god yep help each other out build your own houses pay no debt don't have anything with the bank. Mm-hmm. Be happy with God with what you got. Yeah, be family, loved ones, yeah. kids. It's really they were right, man. Amen. Amish were right. If it has yeah. home in the front of it, that's what you want to stick with: homeschool, homestead, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got it. Now we got fake food. You got poison right. in your food. Yeah. You got poison. I mean, look at the people today. They're being poisoned by seed oils and all this stuff. Yeah, the crappy. Yeah 
pharmacia. There's nothing good comes mm-hmm. from big pharma. That's just a standard rule. They don't solve depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, these jobs are terrible. There's no real safety net. Um, you got drugs everywhere. It's a disaster. The country's a disaster. I've watched it happen in my own life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm your age, William. I'm 52. So I we grew up in the same era, and I remember. You know, I mean, my mom and dad paid forty thousand dollars for their house that I grew up in, and uh, you you can't get a car for that price now. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, all it takes. I mean, they've got us over the barrel. I mean, they've got us in the worst way possible because. I mean, according to the some stats, it's like the average half of the households in the whole country cannot afford an extra five hundred dollar expense. Yeah, that's enslavement. You mm-hmm. are a slave. Stop de- deluding yourself. Don't listen to the propaganda. The average American is a slave. Yeah. They're just in a different type of technical, and now they're just creating a kill box where they can give you drugs or poison your food or poison your shots and kill you off. I mean, the the, the agenda slaughter this year is going to be a terrible year of great suffering. I promise you. There's going to be a lot more dead people. Yeah. Here's, and I mean, I I don't know. Like, I could just look to these Christian leaders. I I really am terrified of them. I I really feel scared. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm missing certain stuff. Maybe it's, maybe I'm not watching the right thing, but I just see them dancing in front of a stage. And to me, the pulpit is like, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't well, trust there, you. I don't are, trust you anymore. There are some great churches. There, there are a handful of guys that I can. You're in, you're in the West Coast, right? Yeah, West Coast. Yeah, I mean, in Southern California, there's a lot of churches that are standing up by, for truth. They're teaching the Bible, and MacArthur. MacArthur's one. I, I think of um, like Jack Hibbs is another guy that um, is solid. He's he's a fairly. It's a mega church, but he's doesn't hold back at all and he's not all about the money and all that stuff you know like a lot of these mega churches get you know but it's like the, to, you're too focused on the money yeah the yes entertainment too it's like, yeah. and there's like the 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 it's like the the psyop of you know you're having these younger kids at least online sort of becoming more traditional pushing away from like the atheism I, i'm a millennial i'm 33 or yeah 33 yeah i forgot what year it is um and so you have like these younger people and you know i I was just thinking about like the pastors and stuff all they're all we're getting pushed now in the media is not the the good pastors standing up or preaching the bible it's like this uh all this it's all the gay stuff like it's like this gay pastor is kissing you know yeah yeah it's just terrible. So they're just attacking, like, it's straight up with the church. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the mainstream media is yeah. trying to make everyone, you know, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, no, feel everybody like this, gay yeah. and it's okay. LBG, is there an LGBTQ version of the Bible yet? Because that's the way yeah. they seem to be preaching. Right I now. saw one, yeah. The, yeah. the rainbow version. I wouldn't be surprised. No, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's scary. I'm terrified. Yeah, it, it's it's. Well, look, we know so who wins. So this is like though. Crowley. This is Crowley's dream. Yeah, we know who wins in the end. So yeah. yeah that, people need to, to really take care of themselves or really prep and prep for a lot of stuff because mm-hmm. they aren't letting up. I think a lot of these elections are stolen over the world. Yeah. yeah. And so you see this push for world government is really an international thing, and that's the best way to do it. I mean, it's incredible to think that, I mean, to, they had to have conditioned a lot of the public agencies for the steal yeah. to get, mm-hmm. pull, it up, pull it off. So they had to pervert people in the CIA, people in the FBI, people in the Defense Department to pull it off. We wouldn't 
revolt or wouldn't go against something as obvious as a theft as Biden supposedly getting 81 million votes. That's a total joke. Um, yeah. So something really sinister has happened. And a very strange too, like the head of the CIA, uh, Haspel or whatever, was at the WEF. Mm-hmm. She was at this like event 201 stuff. You see a lot of these kind of other intellectuals over at the WF. So they've been co-opted. They probably aren't even co-opted. They just don't give anything about that past view of of the nation state or sovereignty. Yeah. They're all on board with this new thing. And so people should be terrible. Yeah. They don't even try and hide it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I literally saw a quote from from uh, Klaus Schwab saying we have we have godlike powers or something like that. It was this ridiculous quote uh recently i mean yeah, i'm not surprised they're drunk on their own power um it's going to be a bad look at day the successes look at the successes they've got people out of office trump yeah they've got installed um trudeau this guy lula in brazil obviously was fraud mm-hmm. yep um, yeah yeah so many places man. i mean those are the ones that are that we know and you saw I don't know what's you saw lula he, he's forcing uh the shot for people on the people sure, yeah. uh for their for their benefits. Yeah. Cause I mean, that when you were talking about that overall, I, immediately I thought of Bolsonaro, like it, the, yeah. the, the people were rising up. The military is like, yeah. got his back. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that just ends. Just collapsed. Just Same thing with Trump. Yeah. Trump was up against it. They, they got rid of him, man. Yeah. He's done. I don't know how he thinks he's going to win this no. next election election with all of these, fake votes i mean it's not possible well, especially the, with the vote machines so. yeah well they, but the i mailing. mean here's the other thing yeah, yeah the mail all these things are frauds and it's really part of the doj the corruption of the doj mm-hmm. for not doing anything mm-hmm. but i think um desantis cleaned up a lot of the stuff in florida for his vote he won by a 15 percent margin mm-hmm. so that's probably the actual real margin yeah in many of these other states arizona uh, yeah. colorado pennsylvania it's just that they've they've allowed this fraud to happen. So. Yeah, I, I I don't think this is probably the first time I've ever said it on air. So I'll err on the side of caution that anyone listening to this. But uh, I uh, uh, maybe I'll go into it a little bit off uh, offline afterwards. But yeah, I I know for a fact. Like uh, people always say, say I, I had was privy. I, I did some work with some stuff that you know during the election, helping out uh, a buddy of mine. Um, and I, I think, you know, the raw numbers like Trump won California. I tell people that and they yeah, look at me yeah. and they're like, there's no way that he won California. I th- he pulled a Reagan, like the actual votes of one, probably, I think, I think he won all 50 States, um, originally, but it's, yeah, it, 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 there's yeah. no way. And it's a green it's a color revolution they t- stole yes. in the middle of the night they did the same thing in venezuela yep. yeah they pulled the same stun in the ukraine so come on they're just relying on people being totally misinformed on the national media yeah people have to just get rid of it and just get rid of their tv they yeah. really have to throw their tv in the garbage it's just total garbage yeah Amen. get something else find some other way to watch stuff <sighs> anyway i gotta run yeah. guys i got family over here um yes Anything you like? Yeah, sorry, but William, thank you for taking time with us, man. We really, really appreciate it. And we're going to put links to all your books and your website. And where where's the best place people can? Yeah, yeah. uh, I'm on. You can email is really the best way to communicate with me. So it's William Ramsey Investigates at ProtonMail.com. If you have any questions, you can buy my book signed copies from William Ramsey Investigates. www.williamramseyinvestigates.com. What did I say? ProtonMail. And then I have five books, five documentaries on Vimeo, 
and then a lot of uh, good Christian content on William Ramsey Investigates on iTunes if you want to check that out. Cool. Amen. Well, thank you so much again. God bless. God bless. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks for having me. All right, cheers. I got to run, guys. Take See care. See you, man. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. If you had a blast, then we'd love to have you back for another episode. So please subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram at All Out War Podcast or on Twitter at AOWCast. These episodes are also available on YouTube unless they contain a little too much truth. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.